Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. to you. Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show, and Maddie Lane is already making me laugh, but I don't even want to acknowledge him yet. We got a lot We got a lot of stuff going on here. Thanks. Yeah, right? We got a lot of stuff going on here today. Uh, first off, Craig's not here. Uh, I know he's missed the last couple shows. Everything's fine with Craig. Don't worry. Nothing alarming. He's just, day job has been insane for him. Listen, the rover on Mars kind of broke down. Somebody has to go fix it. When you have a project of that important that has to be done, you got to go to the number one guy. You got to go to the top dog. That is the Renaissance man himself. He will be back on this planet soon, I promise. Yeah, we weren't supposed to release that because it was top secret, but Craig, <laughs> Craig is on Mars right now fixing some stuff. Just welding some wires together a little duct tape a little chewing gum you'll be all good he'll be right back in no time that was our pal find him on twitter at jacob morley jake stack what's good brother uh man a lot's good things are going real good in my life i'll tell you what we are i would say waist deep would you say waist deep into this year's draft process Probably I think that's a, I, that's a fair assessment about waist deep, buddy. I'm I'm belly button. Belly, so. Craig, Craig, Craig's up to the nips. Um, let's just be. <laughs> right, sorry, I can't get anyone's name right. I was just gonna make good fun of myself, and I literally just called Matt Craig. Um, but no, I, this is just kind of where I'm at right now with the draft process. Like the last few days, I have so many names, positions, schools have gone through my brain that names are hard for me right now. And yesterday on Pack a Day. We talked about four guys, and I said all of their names wrong. Each one of them. Like, and I wasn't even trying to do it. It's a quick, Jake. Who's the last two guys you watched today? Oh, uh, I watched the kid from Iowa. I can't say his name. Um, Amir Smith Marset. <clears throat> Amir Smith Marset. A lot of fun. Go check him out. And then I watched the freakazoid athlete wide receiver from Illinois, Josh Imoturbebe. So uh, in your face. Oh, do you know? We gotta we gotta call him the bebe. Bebe. From the, from the the rest of the process, he's the bebe. Yeah, he he's not very good. But he who can, cares? We're gonna he's, he's very, gonna show up. He's very athletic. Oh, we're pulling. We're, we're gonna we're gonna pull our inner Moyer Rose and call him the bebe moving right. forward. Uh, by the way, uh, we're all working on all that work we're talking about. We're working on the KC draft guide. Uh, over three hundred pages of chief specific content about the 2021 NFL draft. It's our third year doing it. It's a lot of fun. Go to gum.co slash Guide 21 Promo code LAB will get you the KC Draft Guide for $8. So 
If you like what we're doing, if you like the show, if you like the draft content, you can get a 300-page book, pre-order it. It will release on April 5th. But it's time to talk about some of those prospects that we've been watching. Well, and that's cheaper than my order at Chipotle. Well, there's a lot cheaper than your order at Chipotle, Matthew. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure my mortgage is cheaper. Um, okay, so we do this every week. Fun guys that we've watched. And this was a big cross-check week for us. Uh, so we got to kind of see a lot of different prospects. And uh, let's just start, Jacob. Give me a fun prospect you watched this week. Yeah, it was a lot of fun just because I've been so deep into the receivers and tight ends that it was kind of fun to switch over to the other side of the football and watch um, some of the safeties in this draft class. And you want to talk about this this group of safeties, pretty decent group. You know, not really like a stud top 10 dude, but there's a lot of, a lot of good players at that position. And one guy that stood out to me that I thought just is a, a solid, good football player is Javon Holland from Oregon. Um, he, I don't think he played his 2020 year. I believe he opted out. But if you go back to 2019, he is a guy that I think when you watch him, there are some reasonable concerns about his athleticism. Is he a 4-4 guy? No, he's not. Is he a 4-5 guy? Hopefully. Maybe he's even a 4-6 guy, but I don't think it quite matters with him. What makes him so much fun is how instinctive and smart he is. You just look at the way he deconstructs uh, routes and um, stacked receivers and just he always knows where his help is at and the thing about a player like that to me is if you can play with that type of intelligence it makes up for that lack of speed and I think he's the type of guy that you might just play in the slot anyways and just let him be a smart player he's not small he's got good size and someone that really um, solidifies me liking him is the fact that he really reminds me of Micah Hyde coming out of Iowa Ooh. And, you know, he's a guy, Micah Hyde was a guy too, not a great athlete, 4'6 guy, or not 4'6, you know, his RAS was not great, 4'5 high. His relative athletic score, make sure for everybody that doesn't know what that is. That's just Yeah, a, relative a, athletic just, score is just a, just a way to quantify uh, how he is as an athlete. I think they'll be similar. And they both, both return punts, um, both make plays, both are smart, both get by on how savvy they are, so... I think that's probably his ceiling as a type of player. And Micah Hyde is someone that probably is never going to be an all pro, probably never going to be a pro bowler, but he's been a starter in this league for a long time. And I think that's what Javon Holland could bring to a team that is going to draft him. And I, 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 I think he's going to be a good player in the NFL. Um, Matthew, we always differ on wide receiver prospects. Um, we both have, a, we both, no, well, not always, not always, but we both definitely have a type. You know, it's and that, fun. It's fun when you guys differ. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, like there's like both of us. I think both of us have really been on the the Tylen Wallace train for a long time. Um, yep. But someone that you're going to talk about today is a prototypical Matt Lane wide receiver. He's big. He's fast. He runs good in a straight line, and he might drop a few balls. So, lay it on us, Maddie. Yep. Well, after wading mid-thigh deep through this interior defensive line class, which is <laughs> definitely not fun. It's like a like a sewage trail. I was, you know, <laughs> peeping over at some wide receivers. And Simi Fajoko, wide receiver out of Stanford, really caught my eye. Because like Jake said, he's big, listed at six foot four, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds, and fast. This guy is 
It's a hand time, but he's been timed running a 4.39 at 200 and nearly 30 pounds. Now, I'm sure he won't come in at that speed, but even in the mid 4.4s at that size is something crazy. And unlike some other big receivers in the past that I maybe have stood on top of a table literally for, like Hakeem Butler, I think the game speed does show up. There are times, especially on some screen passes, where Fahoko does look like a mid 4.4 athlete. He's a guy that does get moving. He runs away from much smaller cornerbacks. It is mostly in a straight line. But I think even Jake would admit that he's got pretty decent feet for a guy of his size. Now, maybe you still would consider moving him to tight end. Maybe you would just play him as a big slot. I don't know. But he was just a fun guy to see out of the corner of my eye when trying to watch some offensive line and defensive tackle play from Stanford. I mean, his game against UCLA, he had 16 catches for 230 yards and three touchdowns. He was working deep, intermediate, shallow. He was working all over the field. And it's not like Stanford has a good passing attack with Davis Mills at quarterback. My guy can drop a dime 20 yards downfield and then miss four straight wide open throws like it's nobody's business. Like that is him in a nutshell. Checks out. <laughs> so watching Simi Fogo just go around out there and just be a relatively big guy that doesn't always just win with his strength. He's got good feet off the line of scrimmage. He does a good job exploding out of the breaks when he does make them or simply being able to stack guys on a vertical plane. I do like him. I do think he's fun. The only issue, and Kent already, I think, is starting to walk away from this. He's like 23 and a half years old already, maybe a little bit older. He's definitely an older prospect. Kent's shaking his head. He doesn't like this. But I'm telling you guys, you want to have fun. Watch his tape versus UCLA. He's just a fun guy to watch move around that size. Yeah, and real quick before we get on to Kent's guy, I will I will agree with Maddie when I say he is a guy that I think we do have some common ground on, especially when you look at the Chiefs and what they potentially need. I think he's a kid that could come in. Well, he's not a kid. Uh, is he a kid? I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, I think he's a grown man that could come in and play on, you know, play that wide position for them right away. And he's got a skill set that I think you could at least point to and say, you know, we're talking about a day three probably type guy here. And he's got, and he's got some pretty that, sick 360 dunks out there on the uh, social media. So Yeah, he's a good big athlete, you know. And so I think you can come in, if, if it were the Chiefs, he could come in and say, hey, this is what our plan is for you, and you're going to be good at it. So that's what I like about him. Kent, um, speaking of day three receivers, who's your – oh, wait, never mind. You literally picked the best wide receiver in this draft class. Let's, uh, you wanna, Let's wanna, go. You want to talk to us about that a little bit? Let us have discourse. First off, I believe Semi Fahoko is only 23. So he's going to turn 24 most likely at some point in his rookie year. That's about the cutoff for me. But not, not I, I digress. Y'all y'all are just hating. Uh, okay, so we got to do cross checks this week. And, you know, Jamar Chase has kind of been an afterthought a, a little bit and just kind of an inevitability. A lot of people consider him the number one pros or receiver in this class. I don't disagree. When we were getting to do our cross checks, it was just really fun to be reminded of how good a young Jamar Chase was. You got to remember, Jamar Chase played as a sophomore and was dominant. And it wasn't just because Joe Burrow was his quarterback. Joe Burrow gave Jamar Chase a lot of opportunities down the field to make plays. And yes, the ball placement was often pretty good, but it wasn't like Jamar Chase wasn't handling business on his end of the deal. He was an excellent, exceptional player down the field winning balls at the catch point they're not 50 50 balls with him they are 70 30 balls and he did a phenomenal job winning with the ball in the air 
But what I got more excited about, and I just it was just so refreshing and impressive to watch, getting to have eyes on him as part of the evaluation process, was how strong he was through contact at the line of scrimmage, just in general. He was beating some press that, I mean, Patrick Sertan was in was in his was really trying to get after him at the line of scrimmage, and Jamar Chase was running through him like no like was it Sertan or was it? I, it was uh, it was Diggs. It was Diggs. Diggs. It was he got Diggs. the wider. C- he got the CB one treatment in that game. You're right. My bad. Diggs following him. Sorry, I meant to say Diggs. But um, just watching him beat press against a, a long, athletic, physical corner who went in, you know, the top fifty picks last year. Watching him run through contact with ease and watching him beat press and and be physical at the top of the route and just be dominant in that regard. Different than any guy I've seen in this draft class do as a sophomore was just wildly impressive. One question for you. So just let me lay this out. I love Jamar Chase. I think I have a 90, a, a, a 90 plus grade on him, which is really high. The one concern I have can't let me let let's, let's work through this. He does let guys get hands on him a lot. Right. And if you would point to, if you, if you want to do the exercise of, so if Jamar Chase fails, if he, if he flames out in the NFL, why? And I think that's what you can point to is when he is not, you know, even when he's not getting the ball, he is losing routes sometimes. And I think it's because guys can get hands on him. And if there's one thing that I would knock him on and say, I hope he's gotten better at this in the last year, it's the fact that he does kind of open up his chest and kind of leaves that strike zone open for corners to kind of get into him. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I know we've talked about this before. Okay, so my argument is this. is a 19-year-old kid the last time we saw him, and the strength and balance through contact are undeniable. So even when he was allowing guys into his chest, something that is very teachable to address and fix, he was he, his strength and balance through that contact was wildly impressive. So there's a lot of technical areas where he can improve, but the physical ability to actually beat it was just, it was so, it was great. I mean, it was excellent. I know Maddie's wanting to jump in real quick. Oh, yeah. I just want to play devil's advocate here because if I were to say the reason that Jamar Chase failed, it would be because he does not have the the quickness. He's not the fleetest of foot guy. He doesn't explode in and out of breaks. So when you are a guy that doesn't have elite feet and you're not particularly good at reducing your strike zone off the line of scrimmage and guys get hands on you routinely, how does that get better? How is his plan to keep hands off of him improving at the NFL enough to where he's going to create a lot of separation. Now, I'm a person, I don't think I need every wide receiver to have a ton of separation. I think you can win, you can create separation with strength with your body at the catch point. You don't have to do it during the route all the time. I just do think there are some concerns when he's not the most explosive athlete, not the quickest athlete, and guys so easily got their hands on him throughout the entire record-setting season at LSU, as silly as that sounds. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I think his feet are fine. Honestly, I, I think his footwork in and out of his breaks is not, you know, it's not elite, but I don't think it's even average. I think it's still above average. I think he's fine there. I think what he can do a better job of is marrying his hands with his feet. And and when he's getting in and out of his breaks, making sure guys are not getting hands on him by, you know, swiping, ripping, doing whatever. Um, but, but like I said, I have a 90 plus grade on him and, and kind of going back to what Kent said through that, as you see a 19-year-old kid that does have the balance and does have the strength 
And like this guy, this kid's flexibility in his hips, ankles. I mean, it's it's unbelievable that he can get hands on him. I mean, uh, Stefan or not Stefan uh, Diggs, his little cousin or whatever. Diggs, Trevon. Uh, he had to have been so frustrated in that game because there were two or three times where he had he had him dead in the rights, and I'm sure he thought. But- it, like there was this. a play. There was a play where Trevon Diggs jumped the snap with tried to get in with a two hand punch, and Jamar Chase just ran through it like it was nothing. Right, and so it's I'm top I'm sure fifty pick. It's like the equivalent of you, you know you hear some of these fighters and these boxers punch someone in the face as hard as they can, and they just keep coming. Like that's ha- that had to have been what it felt like. Of like what what do I do here to knock this kid off his route? Um, so. That for me, I think that's his his special trait is his flexibility, his strength, and his balance. And I think that's why he will be successful. But like Maddie pointed out, and we're kind of are pointing out, it's it's a fun exercise with these top prospects who, you know, all all we really do is blow smoke about blow smoke up their butt about them, about how great they are. And they are. He's a fantastic prospect. But you've done this enough. We've done the draft enough to know these guys can always fail. There's always a path for them to fail. So it's, it's an interesting exercise to at least look at that and talk about that. All right, we're going to take a break. And we'll be back to talk about some prospects that we differ than the consensus right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, we're continuing our draft show, and we have some uh, we have kind of kind of a fun exercise that we're going to do today. Uh, this was Maddie's idea. All good ideas come from Maddie. Uh, he looked and identified. Why don't you just kind of explain what you want to do today, Maddie? Let's let you do. Let's just let you kind of have a have have the floor here. Well, so there's this fun new kind of website out there right now. It's called Grinding the Mocks, and you can find it if you know, simply Google sh- search. It's grindingthemocks.shinyapps.io, I think is how you would get there with the direct link. But essentially what they're doing is they're taking all of the mock drafts 
out there from fans that they can find, from experts, you know, your Mel Kuypers, anybody getting paid to write mock drafts or do big boards and things like that, any of them they can find, they're putting them in this database here and they're coming out with essentially what is expected draft position from all these different people. So you can go on over there, sort it however you want to, and just see in the grand scheme of things where players are looking to get mocked, what their average draft draft position is. You can sort it by just amateur mock drafts, by quote-unquote expert mock drafts, however you want to. But today, I just kind of wanted to look through this we have their expected draft position for all the players that they have on here listed. And we just wanted to talk about some guys on offense and defense that, you know, we maybe differ than what the general public says right now. So I think because he's our guest and the most handsome person on this podcast, we're going to let Jacob go first, starting with a defensive player that he may differ from the general consensus. Oh, man, I always get to go first. Lucky me. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm loading our draft master sheet right now and there are so many names in it that it's taking a little bit to load um but <clears throat> the guy that i'm going to be talking about is, is gregory Rousseau, the edge out of miami and i again i want to clarify i like him i think he's a good player i think if he hits you're looking at a jason jason pierre paul type player with that length um he's not a super explosive guy but he can play with a lot of strength and it looked like he was really starting to figure out how to use that length in 2019 but he didn't play in 2020 and he kind of missed out on that opportunity to to get better and you see him he is he is his average his estimated draft position is 14 that's really high for a guy that in in our in in our draft guide i don't think he's going to be a top five edge and so you see, you look at him and then say, okay, so how does he fit? How do you, how many edges are going to go? And you have a guy like Quiddy Pay. I would take Quiddy Pay over him. I would take Jalen Phillips over him. Uh, Jason Uway, the Penn State kid, freak athlete. I'd take him over him. Aziz Ojari out of uh, Georgia. I like him more. I know I'm murdering some of these names, uh, but 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 <laughs> Craig's not here. We needed somebody to Joseph Osai. I would take him over uh, Gregory. So Ugh. there's just there's just guys that I like more than him at that position, and it just would be a tough pill for me to swallow to see him go top fifteen. And again, I like him. I like the dude. If you need an edge player, this is a good year to want one because there's a lot of good guys. There's a lot of good players. But that's kind of where I fall with it is he's just not going to be in my top five edges. Um, so watching him this week, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, he's he's good. And he's a good player. But I don't get the top 15 love that he's been getting. Um, so kicking the ball down the, down the court. I don't know who's turning his Maddie, You? I, I got you here. So my issue when I'm watching Gregory Rousseau, and I thought this in the summer when I was watching him, the lack of burst, the mm-hmm. lack of bend. I mean, they're they're fine, especially for a guy of his absurd length and you know height and being so new to the position, but they're not good. They're not special traits in any way, shape, or form. So I was already confused by the super early hype, but then you kind of start watching him more and more. I'm not sure what you're getting out of him as an edge player in particular. Even back with Miami when he had a monster, I think it was like 16 sack season in 2019, over half of them were coming from either lined up on the inside or slanting or stunting to the interior of an offensive line group. So like that's not an edge trait. 
that's just a general usefulness. It shows that he's got a good motor. It shows a guy that, you know, does have some physical traits, but not your traditional round one or even top 50 edge traits to me. So if you draft Rousseau, you're really banking on the fact that he was super young, super new to the position, and you're going to be able to harness all of the lack of technical abilities to keep going. The only qualm I have is at the end of the day, he's not going to have great burst. He's not going to have great bend. You're getting a power rusher that still needs to develop with his hands. I just, I'm with Jake here. I don't see how you take him this early in this particular edge group. Maddie, who's your next guy? So my next guy is going to be defensive tackle from Iowa, Davion Nixon. And I think that he's right now, they have his expected draft range at 33. And he's a guy that I just, I haven't seen it when I sat down to watch him either. I went through the grade. I gave him a third round grade. Craig came behind me and I think gave him even a lower third round grade in our draft guide when he went back and watched him. So I know he's agrees with me well, as Craig well. Craig hates everyone. So, well, And I told Craig going in that he wasn't going to like him. Fun story for you guys. I told Craig he wasn't going to like Nixon. He got about five minutes into the film and said, did, are you sure I'm not going to like Nixon? I said, just keep watching. And by the end of it, Craig had a lower grade on him than I did. <laughs> it's, he doesn't use his hands in any way, shape, or form. He's a very good athlete for a defensive tackle, but he never uses his hands, which is something that you know you can teach him. But then he gets washed out by every single block, so he doesn't play with any strength at the point of attack. All of his wins come from similar to Rousseau. It's a lot of slanting. It's a lot of stunting. He's able to cross the face of his blocker, but if he's not doing that, if he's not trying to get off with his lateral explosion around the guard or a center, he's not really going to accomplish anything as a pass rusher. His hands are too just raw right now. So again, you're banking on the upside of his ability as a mover, but I don't think he has the flexibility to just really become this top-tier hand fighter with the lack of strength. I don't see it. And then there's rumblings behind the scenes. He may have some pretty bad off-field stuff in terms of just like his where he is at with his academics, the ability to not get into some schools early on, maybe has struggled the long while he's at Iowa. So you have off-field concerns with a raw player that essentially only wins because he's a good college athlete. Okay, so my guy, I feel like I've talked about him before actually. And uh I don't I'm sorry if I have, but Carlos Basham on this site is currently kind of listed with an expected draft position around 37. And I think that's insane because I don't see an explosive player, especially out on the edge, that is warranting of that. I don't think the draft process would be particularly kind to him from a testing perspective. I think, um, you know, you, I, I don't see, I see an average get off. Uh, I obviously I think the measurables for him are really impressive from a from a length you know and from a you know density perspective it's pretty impressive outside on the edge but I don't really like the flexibility uh, I don't you know I think he's a pretty stiff guy off the edge he probably is best served to play more along the interior so maybe as like a you know he he kicks he's a guy that kicks inside on on rushdowns which kind of sounds like the Chiefs is what really scares me. Um, but he's 37 on this list, and I have him as a uh, – I think he's currently listed number 79 on our current positional value ranked board. So we kind of look at him as like a, a, a day-two guy in a lot of regard. Um, I like him for what he is. I don't like him for what people think he is, if that makes sense. 
I think it's funny that we just all pick defensive linemen for places that we differ on from the general consensus, and we all think that they are graded out too highly. I just thought that was an interesting little turn of events here. Yeah, it's weird. I and mean, I don't know. Maybe we just put this with this defensive line group so far under the Microsoft so far because we know how the Chiefs really could potentially need it and how deep it is. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. Just this entire draft process, everyone's going to be all over the board with the with the with, with each other, and I think it's actually it makes it kind of fun, uh, more fun than uh, you know. It, it makes it. I think it makes it more fun than in most years, frankly, just because like. I, I, the information is not flowing similarly out there with some of the bigger name guys. So you're seeing a lot of variance. I mean, I really respect it. Guys like Daniel Jeremiah, who's got some different takes out there. He's got Ronnie Perkins going top 25 in his most recent mock, you know, and you see, you know, guys like the, the bleacher report guys that, that you know, Nate Tice and justice Mosqueda and, and uh, who else is drama that they, they've got a fantastic group of guys over there doing some work. And some of their, you know, their their rankings are all over the place. It's it's really fun. Ton of respect to what everybody's doing. It's a fun process. I mean, Landon Dickerson's the top five for uh, for Bleacher Report right now, or top six for Bleacher Report. Where he should be. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie loves Maddie. Uh, Maddie might might when he comes and jumps in and does a secondary grade on Landon Dickerson, it's gonna get it's gonna get pretty lit. All right, let's talk about some guys on the offensive side of the ball here. Uh, Jake, give me one that you uh, disagree with. Yeah, and this is someone I have talked about, but not in super great depth here on this show. And it's Diami Brown, the wide receiver out of UNC. And Diami, his first name starts with a D-Y, and Dynamic also starts with a D-Y. And that's, that's exactly who I think he is. I think he's a dynamic weapon on any offense that's going to draft him. I think he has the skills to play on the outside. Um, and, I, and I just think, you know, some of the concerns with him are his drops, his play strength, all that stuff. It's things I think are going to get better. But you look at his average draft position or estimated, whatever it is, and it's 99. And to me, I just – this is – I, I don't know if I've said it on this show, but I know I have said this statement before. I do not know – how Jalen Rager and Brandon Ayuk can be top 30 draft picks and people are just looking at Diami Brown and saying, eh, he's okay. They don't do anything that he doesn't do. I think he's going to, if there was testing, I think, I think he would test similar to them. I think he's a dynamic weapon like they are. And like Rager, I think he's got some drop issues. Um, so I just don't necessarily understand why he is not getting getting more love in this draft class. And I know it's a very good wide receiver group again, but I think we, and I don't think it's just me. I think we're all decently higher on him than 99, you know, and I, and I'm pulling the why not first round range. Um, but I think all of us probably have him looking at it. Yeah. We all have, you know, a second ish round grade on him. So 99, you know, talking about falling out of the top 100. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. So my guy, like Jake, picked a defensive end, and I picked a D-tackle. Jake picks a wide receiver. I'm going to pick a tight end. Brevin Jordan, tight end out of Miami. He's a guy that currently right now, all three of us that have put grades on him have ranked him or graded him as our tight end two over Pat Fryermuth. We've all he, given he him... He currently sits top 30 in the KC draft guy yes, rankings. He has a tech... If you were to follow the exact draft grade, Brevin Jordan would be a first-round pick 
according to the KC Draft Guide, whereas they have his expected draft position at 91. But that's just, that's a huge gap to me. And after going back and watching him and a little Kyle Pitts and some Pat Fryermuth and some of these other tight ends, I mean, I get why we would have him so high. He's the second most kind of electric athlete that was put in a position to showcase it. I think the gap or the jump that he made from 2019 to this year in terms of his willingness to block and his ability to be at least a competent blocker a running a full route tree, showcasing the ability not just to run up the seam, but to run some corner routes, to run some post routes from the tight end position, as well as get involved in the intermediate areas. He showed a lot of growth. Whereas, like I said, we have him over Pat Fryermuth, who I don't think is as good of an athlete and not a good enough blocker to justify saying that I would rather have him than Brevin Jordan. But I think you're splitting hairs there. The issue is they have Pat Fryermuth like 40 picks ahead of Brevin Jordan in the expected draft range, which is just crazy to me. Jordan's equally as good of a player as Fryermuth is right now. He probably has a higher ceiling. Getting a tight end that with his ceiling at 91 will be a steal. Well, last year, Cole Komet went, what, top 50, 50, whatever it was, mid, middle of the second round. Brevin Jordan's better than he is. You know, we I think we would have a much higher grade on Brevin Jordan than we did on Cole Komet. And I think the tight end class is going to be fascinating this year because I think there's four guys and then Hunter Long and then everyone else. <laughs> well, no, you know, I mean, like, right. those, like, those, you know, I mean, four guys right. that I think could be high-level starters in the NFL. Hunter Long, who... Could be a nice player in the NFL. And then guys. So, like, are these guys going to get pushed up as well? So, I think that'll be an interesting position to watch come draft day. Uh, you guys want to know something? Brevin Jordan. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing, I'm looking up the old, the old draft rankings. We do indeed have a higher grade on Brevin Jordan than we do Cole Komet. Yeah, man. You think it's I just throw, you think I just say random stuff? Come on, man. I knew I, that. I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't either. I okay. Well, there you go. It it was it's tighter than you think. Uh, I bet uh, it we is. Ha- it's about a point. It's about a point. Okay. About a point difference. I think Cole commits a better inline blocker. Yeah. But Actually, no. I know Cole commits a better inline blocker. Brevin Jordan is a bad blocker. Well, Brevin, so Cole Komet's yeah. grade got helped a lot too because he was huge and then tested well for being huge. Not that Brevin Jordan's like athletic score wouldn't be high as well, but I do think Cole Komet's grade got boosted quite a bit by being a very good athlete for his size yeah. going back to the relative athletic score. But I think enough tight end talk. I think it's time for Kent to get onto a new position. Maybe a guy that should just move to tight end. Just kidding. Um, he's not a good enough blocker to do that. Uh, or does it try either? Terrace Marshall, uh, really high reg- regarded in some of the mocks that we saw here, uh, and, and the expected draft positions around 34 for Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver out of LSU. Uh, and it's not that I dislike Terrace Marshall entirely, and I think that's really an important thing to kind of you know frame, and it's an important thing to say now. It's not that we dislike these guys, as, and and we we are guilty of using the word dislike. We dislike these guys compared to what the consensus is on them. And the consensus apparently is Terrace Marshall's nearing a first-round pick, and I can't sign up for that. I think Terrace Marshall's a very linear player. Uh, I think he's a jump ball winner that gives really poor effort as a blocker. Um, I don't I think I I don't I don't know how I don't know what the athletic profile is ultimately going to look like either. You know, so if you're just a big guy with a very limited route tree that should beat press better than he does. 
that's just a jump ball winner with some inconsistent hands and a lack of a desire to block. I mean, there's a lot of question marks there for me for a guy that, I mean, I, I'm not taking him. I, I he's and he's a very intriguing downfield threat. Don't get me wrong, but talking about that guy that I just described personally for me at 34 in that in that early second round range, hard pass. Well, it's it, the athletic. I think the athletic profile is impressive, but there's a lot of guys with athletic profiles. So like, I don't get why he gets pushed up. Well, you know. I'm not saying he's like I, maybe, and I don't know if I said he's a bad athlete. I just don't think the athletic profile is similar to the same kind of guys that we're seeing out there. No, but I would agree. Fair. And I think Jake made a a good point, kind of after I got done grading him, he came to me because I have the lowest grade on Terrace Marshall out of all of us, and he said that he thought I would really like him because, as we talked about, I'm all about your bigger wide receivers that can run fast in a straight line, win jump balls. I watched Terrace Marshall, and I couldn't have been less impressed than I was for who he is. He's a very loose route runner. He does not run sharp routes. Everything he does seems very curved. It seems completely dictated by whatever the defense is willing to give him. Even when he goes up for these jump balls, which he wins, he goes up soft and just trying to finesse it and catch it by contorting his body. He's never ripping through contact. Like, I saw zero ounce of just aggression and strength in his game. And that really upset him, just upset me from a guy that likes big wide receivers. And I think that probably played into me grading him low. Everything he does that he looks good at is through over the slot. And it's just this loose little drag over route. That's like a combination blended together. I mean, it's a glance route, but it's the same thing over and over again. And it never looks good. It just looks loose, a little sloppy. Kent wants to get back in here. So I mean, jump in. No, I think the word is just disappointing. Mm -hmm. You're disappointed in the waste of the, of the body and the build. You, he, a guy like him should be a dominant blocker. Yeah, but, but more than just a he blocker, like blocked. I would love to see he does. I would love to see him. <laughs> I would love to see him go up on a dig route and just body a cornerback sitting there waiting for him. But he doesn't. He lets the cornerback dictate where he breaks his route and how aggressive he is out of it. And I just I didn't like any part of that in his game. I thought he was way too finesse for the size that he has. And yeah, I think there's redeeming qualities there with the speed, with the ability to elevate and the body control. But then you add in the issue with the hands the inability to consistently get off press and the fact that you know he kind of opted out right before playing Patrick Sertan I I was all the way out I would too uh I think with him though too like I, he's a tough one man like when I put my grade on him I thought I was kind of like oh people really like this guy and I just slapped a third round grade on him and then Maddie from the top ropes <laughs> comes in and goes even a few points lower than me I was like oh okay um, the funniest but, thing is I'm the guy that's I have the highest grade on him and yeah. I'm the one that's coming in here disappointed and talking about him specifically. Well, I think when you did, when you dig into him more though, so like to give, to give him some, some love, there are times where he plays, where he is really difficult to reroute, where he does use his big body, um, where he is a physical specimen on the field, but it is not consistent enough for me to just be like drooling over this guy because he has, I think he has the physical tools to dominate from start to finish, and he doesn't. And that is weird to me, especially in that offense. Um, when he, especially last year, when he was drawing coverage from nobody, like, I mean, JJ, Justin Jefferson, and Chase are getting all the love. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, you should be whooping up on this car 
insurance salesman in three months, but I digress. <laughs> Well, I think that's it, though. Last year, they had Jamar Chase playing this X role, you know, getting hit at the line of scrimmage, but ripping through all this contact, playing physical, playing like an alpha. You had Justin Jefferson with great feet, playing in the slot, routing up anybody he's against. And then you had Terrace Marshall on the other side, playing as a Z, a deep threat jump ball guy. This year, you expect Marshall to take over one of those other roles. And they tried to use him like that, but it was very clearly a big step back from either Jefferson or Chase into what they gave you. And maybe that's the issue and why it's so disappointing is you have to compare, you're comparing him to other guys you've just seen in the same role. It's just, I don't know where you, I don't think you can use him as an X receiver in the NFL early on. He's a vertical threat receiver that has some size and some speed, but you have to protect him at the line of scrimmage. I think you have to work around him with your offense rather than just dropping him in and letting him go. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the AP Draft Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with that. Make sure you're checking out the Air, uh, the, the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel just across the board for everything going on. Uh, AP Laboratory will be back on Friday. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Hope you're having a very merry draft miss process. We'll catch you later. Bring us back a moon rock, Craig. <laughs>